Hello, it is your boy Maurice McMillan with the last episode of the year of the Don't Quote Me podcast. We're up to episode 45. Uh, As I mentioned last week, I am going to be off for January. I might change this into a YouTube show or do this with the YouTube show. I'm not sure what's going on, but I'm going to take January to uh, organize my thoughts and planning and all of that. But this episode is going to be a different one. I am going to do two things. So I'm going to do a year-end year review for the bigger politics stories of the year, U.S. politics at least, of uh, the bigger stories of the year. You know, just uh, summarize my thoughts on them. Um, I actually got this idea from uh, watching Majority Report today. It, uh, I originally was just going to do like, you know, a normal episode and then like do an award show at the end. But um, now I'm changing the beginning to like a year in review because, you know, this year was crazy. A lot of shit happened. I won't touch on everything because, you know, with Trump president, it's impossible to cover everything because it's just there's so much shit. But um, I'm going to cover the ones that stuck out to my memory uh, thinking back on the year. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about what I expect and hope for in 2019. And, uh, and then I guess 2020 as well, because it's kind of hard to remember that 2019 is even a year. So everybody is already in full 2020 mode, but um, we will see what happens in 2019. But um, I'll talk about that for a little bit. And and then, as I, I mentioned earlier, I'm going to do an award show. So I got a uh, what is it? I got I got 10 categories. It looks like for TV awards. And then I got seven categories for uh video game awards so um yeah i'm excited about this episode it's gonna be an interesting change of pace uh i I hope i get some good feedback on this one um but uh i'm gonna do my last set of shout outs for the year so um these are just gonna be people throughout the year who have uh had a lasting effect on me for one reason or another um, that I, like that I knew about, but that just, you know, stuck with me even more and other people that I learned about recently. So, um, first I got to give a shout out to the big four, you know, uh, my, my, uh, my women of color, my justice Democrats, my progressives, my aggressives, my, my, uh, my, my new Congresswoman in, in Congress that I'm so excited to see. They're like the only thing that gives me hope for the next two years. So, uh. Shoutouts to Rashida Tlaib, uh, Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley, and last but not least, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. So um, they have been he- huge, huge this year. Uh, the fact that a- 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 of the of the th- of the four women who ran, I would say on paper, AOC definitely had the biggest shock, spe- specifically because it was first, and on top of that, she had the toughest. Uh, Hill decline. So uh, for those of you who don't know the specifics, I'll give you a quick rundown. She won her election against basically the number four ranked Democrat in the uh, House of Representatives, Joe Crowley from New York. And uh, she beat him by, I think he's been in, he's been in Congress for about 20 years, if I'm not mistaken. And he's, uh, and he's not even like, he's like not even progressive. He's just like, like centrist progressive, you know, like instead of like for, uh, Instead of being just center left, he's like maybe a step past center left. So, um, in terms of corporate Democrats, he wasn't the worst. And Alexandria Ocasio Cortez was just a thousand times better. 
So she beat him by like 15 points. Someone that didn't get any, uh, like mainstream media coverage. Like no one would write articles about her or talk about her on TV for the most part until after she won. Other than a handful of uh, outlets like, you know, uh, the Young Turks and, um, and the Intercept, if I'm not mistaken, uh, there have been almost no one talking about her until she won. And then everyone couldn't get their name out of her, get her name out of their mouths. So at least for the people in national politics circles. So, uh, she, she's been huge this year and, uh, similar stories, uh, with uh, Rashida Tlaib, her uh, race, if I'm not mistaken, was for uh, John Conyers' o- old seat. So he left the uh, the uh, House in late 2017, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if I remember correctly, he got Me too So uh, he was gone. And he was one of the few people to get Me too in the Senate. I mean, in, uh, in the Congress in general. And so... Uh, he was gone. Rashida Tlaib won that open seat. It was in a uh, mostly, like, you know, a pretty safe district. And uh, she won her seat. And Ayanna Presley basically had the second hardest race because she also went up against like a pretty, like, uh, you know, okay, Democrat. You know, there's so many corrupt Democrats in the House that, you know, the ones that were like kind of like progressive kind of just felt like easy targets because. In my opinion, the reason they're easy targets is because their constituents obviously like progressives because they elected them in the first place. But at the same time, if you're choosing between centrists who are going to go more to the right, or if you're choosing between like the the crazy, super duper progressive, liberal, ultra leftist, communist, socialist, whatever you want to call them, those people were just going to go for the most left option regardless. So uh, Ilhan was, uh, t- I forgot, uh, I want to say it was uh, Mike Capuano, if I remember correctly. Uh, she went against him. And, uh, oh, just to preface this, I'm smoke- I smoked a blunt, drank some uh, whiskey before this episode. Anyway, uh, Ilhan Omar, uh, she, uh, I mean, Ayanna Presley went up against Mike Capuano, if I remember correctly. And that was in Massachusetts. And so a similar story, you know, especially... Uh, it's interesting because the district is mostly white. So everyone is like, oh my God, I can't believe a black woman won a mostly white district. But what it came down to is that she was just a better candidate. So everybody wanted new blood. You know, people want more diversity. They want new blood. They want more women. This is definitely a year that was really big for women. Um, and uh, so she was uh, fortunate enough to win her race. And I'm really glad she did. And Ilhan Omar, if I remember correctly, also ran for an open seat like Rashida Tlaib. And so uh, Rashida Tlaib and uh, Ilhan Omar are going to be the first Muslim women in Congress. If I remember correctly, Ilhan Omar is Somalian and Rashida Tlaib is Palestinian, if I remember correctly. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of history in all four of these races. Um, if I remember correctly, the first time a woman of color has won each of these four seats. So they were big this year, especially as someone who's been very disappointed with the Democrats for the last two years, at least a little bit before that, too. So um, this was a big year for people who were like, you know, way to the left of where the Democrats are as a, a national party. So uh, it was great that they won. And I have uh, the utmost faith they're going to do great things in Congress. So um, I'm very excited to see what they do. And my next shout out is going to be a twofer. One of them is going to be no surprise, especially 
after the first four women I said, but Bernie Sanders. And I want to do a two for it with Bernie Sanders and Ro Khanna. They're like a one-two punch. You know, they got Bernie in the Senate, Roe in the House. And next year is going to be even better because Roe won't be by himself. You know, like him and uh, Pramila Jayapal are pretty much the only like real progressives in the House. Like real, real progressives. And other than, I guess, like Sherrod Brown. But like they're like, a, like maybe like less than 10 out of just about 200. So... It's good to have more, long story short. And uh, Bernie and Roe have been uh, working in tandem on a lot of legislation, most recently the uh, trying to get us out of the war in Yemen. And um, Bernie has uh, also been fighting to uh, get companies to raise their minimum wage, like he got Amazon and Disney to raise their minimum wage, if I remember correctly. I, I, I think he was trying with McDonald's as well. I don't know if that ever uh culminated uh but i have to look that up but anyway they have been uh especially bernie uh they have been talking to talk and walking to walk and uh to a much 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 lesser shout out i will give to uh, better o'rourke so as as much as i am more in the bernie camp and the Beto supporters are making me like him less, even though he's not even that much of a bad guy. He's like, he's not done anything like outwardly horrible other than several bad votes. But, um, he, like, I wouldn't say he's as bad as like a Republican or anything. So, um, he's definitely better than Ted Cruz. You know, everybody hates Ted Cruz. It's a running joke. And, uh, what I appreciate about Beto is that it looks like his race in Texas got a lot more people interested in a more progressive and a more populous campaign. So I'm hoping that that works to the benefit of someone to the left of Beto, um, whether it be Bernie or Elizabeth Warren or fucking Ro Khanna, I don't know, whoever it be, I want them to, who, whoever is going to be running in 2020, I'm hoping it's the most left candidate we have available which I can almost guarantee is not going to happen because Democrats won't allow it. <laughs> um, they're too busy trying to meet Republicans in the middle rather than appeal to their base. So, uh, But anyway, Beto, I appreciate him getting more people into politics. I saw a lot more people on my uh, Facebook talking about uh, this election that rarely ever talk about politics. So that was interesting. So um, people are saying that he's going to take away at Bernie's base, but if Beto isn't like at least at least copying Bernie's platform at the bare minimum, he I don't think it's going to happen. Like I I really don't see how like you can say oh yeah all of Bernie's ideas, no nah, that's too much. Uh, I'm gonna give you about a half of that, maybe a third of that. Vote for me, and I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't see. Bernie's base leaving for that option. That's just my opinion. So, um, my other shout out goes to Michael Brooks. And the reason I'm giving Michael Brooks a shout out is because this year I discovered the majority report. It's a Sam Cedar show. You know, he used to be on MSNBC and all of that. And, uh, he's been on, uh, what air America, I think is what he said. He's been, he's been on a bunch of political shit for what, like 15 years now. And, uh, so, 
The reason I'm giving Michael Brooks the shout out is because while Sam's talking and saying points or they have a caller or whatever, he'll always interject with some funny shit, but it'll be like political references. Like it'll be, uh, you know, his Obama impression or like how like Republicans are Nazis. Those kind of like fucking like funny uh, ones where you're making fun of Dave Rubin. That's always fun. And, uh, yeah, he has a lot of funny jokes. So, uh, and he's really, really smart on policy, you know, much like everyone else on the show. So, uh, yeah, shout out to him. And uh, obviously, shout out to the whole cast, too, but uh, specifically him. Um, and my last shout out is going to go to a recent one, uh, Matthew Iglesias. And this is going to be a really random shout out. But the reason I'm giving him this one is because his article about the hat gap explains like it basically explained the last couple of decades of American politics to me that was never articulated that way in a way where it like basically made sense of the thoughts and suspicions I've had for years. So I'm just like, why are Republicans always talking about this stupid shit when they could talk about X, Y, and Z? Or like, why don't they do this when this makes more sense? And I'm like, oh, it's, they're all in the, they're all in on the con. That's just the thing. And uh, his article, The Hat Gap, really put that in perspective. Like, they literally just prefer people who don't have any, like, convictions or anything. And just, like, you can just, you know, grift and lie on command. That's, like, pretty much a requirement to be on, like, a national... Like, to be on Fox News, like, I can understand people who, like, vote Republican. They, like, think this or that or this, that, or the other. But as far as people who are, like, actually, like like on Fox news or like on writing for Breitbart and shit like that. Those people, they're all just paid to lie. And that made more sense to me. I'm like, okay, they're all in on the grift. Okay. So, um, yeah, those are my shout outs. So let's get to the wrap up for politics of the year. The first story of the year that really, I feel like, caught everybody's attention nationally was Parkland. And I don't, I, maybe not specifically Parkland, but what resulted as what, what happened after Parkland, which basically led to the March for Our Lives and a lot more uh, activism from uh, teenagers politically. And it, as uh, someone who is like dipping my toe and being politically active at age 28, it's really admirable to see teenagers like really like put themselves on the front lines and like, you know, fight like, hey, this is fucking ridiculous. Like, uh, it's like it's a thought that I've had for years and years and years. Like, hey, why do we always have fucking shootings all the fuck time? Can y'all just like fucking chill for five fucking seconds and um these kids are like hey let's actually do something about it and like physically like like stop the forces that be that are making this our reality and um so you know obviously there are certain faces that have become synonymous i mean certain names that have become synonymous with parkland like uh david hogg and uh, emma gonzalez and uh cameron caskey 
and uh the other dude the the republican dude i forgot his name um kyle Clint, no kyle Kasky, is that it no i can't uh it's kyle something i think but uh, anyway long story short that was like a ripple effect for like teenagers in politics and i 100 percent believe that parkland in the end probably contributed to the blue wave in some way shape or form just because of the entire movement that was largely aimed at getting rid of republican chills for the nra so um all in all i am 100 percent behind them i know some people uh, point out obviously there is a difference between black activists and non-black activists like you get into harvard or you get targeted by the fbi so um there are definitely some, you know, inconsistencies with how we treat people, but I won't harp on that too much because America treating black people like shit is literally as old as this country. So what can you do? Um, so that was a really big fucking story. And, uh, I, uh, the, the fact that we still fucking, I, the fact that I know that David Hogg got into Harvard recently proves that it's still a ripple effect when uh the parkland happened on valentine's day if i remember correctly um so uh that shooting and uh so you know i'm I'm proud of the kids man so it's like shit like that i'm like maybe the kids aren't all fucked up you know maybe some of them will be dope you know um i'm, I'm starting to learn that a little like slowly like i'm not as harsh on the kids as i was before I still don't want kids at fucking all. But, you know, like, I don't hate other people's kids as much now. It's just like... It's like I feel like I can't tolerate kids, like, under the age of, like, 11. I feel like anything under 11, get it the fuck away from me. And, like, like 12, when they start getting into, like, video games and movies and shit, it's like, you know, alright, you know, I can fuck with this. But, uh, that whole yelling around, being obnoxious and all of that shit and making noises and spits and all of that, nah, hard pass on all that shit. So, um, yeah. Uh, next story, um, that's also going to have fucking ripple effects, uh, is the tariffs. So Trump started a trade war with, uh, China and that kind of rippled out to like Canada and a whole bunch of other countries. I want to say Mexico too. He, he, he just does shit to do shit because he doesn't know what he's doing. So there's no strategy. So he's just doing shit. It's like, oh, he, he's basically like when you leave a two-year-old around a keyboard, it's like, yeah, it's going to start hitting buttons. You know, they don't really like, they're not trying to type anything or do anything. They just see buttons and they're going to hit them. There's no rhyme or reason or order or like. No spelling or coordination or nah, buttons, and that's basically our president. Like, hey, buttons. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's not a good, not gonna end well. Uh, ho- like, like literally the only hope, and I'm I, I hate myself for even buying into this at all. But the only hope really is that like some circumstances with either Mueller or like uh all of his other shit. Like the uh, Southern District, 
Southern District of New York or the Emoluments case or any fucking thing. All of these venues that are just closing in on him. So, fuck, maybe he might just have a heart attack from all that fried chicken and Diet Coke. I don't know. So, uh, he just, you know, uh, he's doing shit. And the tariffs, like, it's already showing signs that we're going to hit a recession. Like, hopefully it's not going to be a depression. But um, we are definitely on a downward uh, incline as far as our economy is going. Like, we just hit the apex, like, I want to say, like, maybe, like, a couple of months after the uh, tax cut was passed. But it's just, like, slowly going back down. And uh, last I checked, this uh, past December's, like, growth or whatever was, like, the worst in, in decades, if I remember correctly. But uh, you'd have to look that up. But I'm pretty sure, like, our, this December, this December, as far as the stock market's uh, losses were, was, like, the worst in a couple of decades. Um, so, it, obviously, with uh, no strategy and just all consequences, no benefits, like, I don't see this going well. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, he, he he's, he's losing guardrails left and right. People are leaving and... I don't really, at this point, I don't know how many people are, how many quality people are trying to, like, volunteer for this job. Like, anyone that he gets to fill any of these positions are, at best, going to be only half as good as the person they're replacing. And not, like, 40,000 times worse. So, that's our best case scenario. He's not, like, he's not saving his best one for his, like, 47th achieve a staff you know like oh 48th charm nah he's not doing that he's just picking them so anyone who's trying to take this job at this point i don't know what's wrong with y'all 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 must be really drinking that kool-aid but you know anyway it, it, it i don't see this going well for us hopefully i'm wrong I haven't seen any evidence to prove i'm wrong on this one um I will admit one thing that I did fuck up royally this year. Like I am like I am kind of happy that I I'm I'm actually I'm to be to be perfectly honest with you, I'm really happy that I'm wrong about this. So, I predicted months ago that we were going to go to war with Iran before the year is over. It's pretty much safe to say that's not happening. But not only was I wrong about that, Trump is trying to pull us out of a war and war and a half basically with Syria and Afghanistan. So uh didn't see that coming clearly. I went the opposite direction. Um so my fear is that if anything short of Trump leaving office happens in the next 2 years, there's a, a like a what? 70-80% chance that Trump goes, hey, I literally did everything I said I was going to do, and you're my follower, so you're not going to fact check me. Vote for me again. And he'll fucking win. Because what do the Democrats stand for? Uh, I'll meet you halfway on that, but I'm not quite all the way there, but, you know, just, dude, like, stand for something. Don't just counter everything. And so you got all the Democrats who are actually standing for shit. The Democrats fucking hate. It's amazing. <laughs> at least at least the leadership in Twitter. Democrats on Twitter blow my fucking mind every fucking day. They just lie outright 
and then accuse everyone of being liars. It's just, and then they really have convinced themselves that they're in the right. And it's incredible. But, you know, what can you do? Um, hopefully, uh, the New Justice Democrat wing of the Democrats will shake some shit up over the next two years. Um, so as far as, uh, leadership is going, I'm not very encouraged, but, uh, as far as new blood, I'm hoping it's just enough to like shift the national conversation because, uh, just to talk about the green new deal alone has shifted Republicans to the left. And I can't remember the last time I or anyone else has said that about Republicans. So I don't like it's incredible. Like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is not even in office yet. And she moved Republicans to the left. Like I, 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 I'm trying not to oversell it. I'm, I'm trying so hard not to say it, but I just don't see her not being a future president. I just don't see it. She's too good at this and she's too understanding of what people actually give a fuck about. Like, I just don't see her not ascending in offices left and right. I just don't see it. She's too good. But, um, yeah, I love it. Um, so the other terrible story besides the tariffs and our trade wars and our, uh, declining economy, the other terrible story was the kids in cages. So, uh, it's really frustrating to have to keep saying kids in cages because you just know so many millions of people in America just don't give a fuck. And it's so depressing. And that was one of the most, no, not, not even one of, and it was, in my opinion, it was the most depressing story of the year. And, uh, maybe it's cause I'm not as versed as the atrocities, not as versed in the atrocities that are happening in Yemen, but I I feel like I was closer to the story with the kids in cages, so it hurt more. Just because, like, you know, I have friends who are immigrants. I have friends who are uh, children of immigrants. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I you know, obviously I'm, I'm black, so I got, and I, I got brown friends, you know? So it, it, it's just just to see how half this country just like, yeah. And not, not only see like people putting kids in cages and uh, taking them from their parents and crying, like sending babies to fucking orphanages and shit. I mean, the uh, adoption agencies and shit and like, like adopting out kids that they stole. They've actually done that a couple of times. They're like, Oh, we uh, deported your mom. So we'll just give you up for adoption. Like, that's some dark fucking shit. It, it just, it, it, I underestimated how dark this country could be. And that story was one of the few that I felt like I was breaking. Like, like I, I, it really felt awful. Like, I, I think I mentioned this on one episode, but I, I had watched Coco for the first time. And at the very end of the movie, I started tearing up. Cause I was just thinking about how like, like how we treat little, uh, you know, like little Brown family in America versus how they do in this movie. I'm just like, wow, we are so fucked, you know? 
and it, it, that got to me. But uh, I'm hoping over the next couple of years, things will go back to being not, they weren't exactly great, but not as horrible. Sounds like a great starting point right now. So, uh, yeah, that story was really dark. And, and it's still not over. Like, Ice has had two kids die. A seven-year-old and an eight-year-old. Like, over the eight-year-old a couple days ago. Like, they've had two kids die in the past month in their fucking facilities. Like, I, when people are saying abolish Ice, you know, when they first started, and I'm like, we'll see where this goes. I'm not entirely against it, but I'm, you know, I'm in the middle. I'm agnostic. And every story that has broke since that uh, movement took place has just further and further and further made me want to abolish ICE. Like, holy fucking shit. They're a fucking horrible organization. And they are just doing some dark fucking Nazi-esque shit. And it is fucking terrifying. The numbers on the arms... Fucking putting kids in cages. Apparently having kids die. Like you're having seven and eight year olds fucking die. Back to back damn near. And I just saw a fucking news report like. Oh they're giving all the kids medical examinations. Why the fuck were you not doing that before? Oh the one kid was. Oh we'll just let one kid die. It's cool. Oh two. Maybe we should get... Like, what the fuck is wrong with these fucking monsters? Fucking horrible, horrible people. And I'm not religious, but I just have to hope that there is an afterlife that makes them feel everything that they deserve. That's just like... Like, I don't really believe in heaven or hell, but for people like them, I pray that there is a hell. I don't care if I go to hell with them. I would love to be in hell watching them get tortured. You know what would be my hell? If I couldn't watch them get tortured. <laughs> that would be hell. <laughs> like, you mean to tell me I get to I don't get to watch Trump roast? <laughs> Why did I even come to this bitch? But, uh, yeah, it, it's been a dark year. Uh, and the darkness keeps on rolling. The Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh hearing. So, this was dark for uh a whole other reason because for some reason it like like it caught me off guard like even after you know how we treat shooting victims in this country or uh how we treat people of color in this country how we treat immigrants in this country how we treat anyone who's not white pretty much in this country a white uh straight male pretty much like it, it's this it's it, it it was it I don't know how, but the Kavanaugh shit caught me off guard, for momentarily it caught me slipping, and until my friend said like wow you're being pretty optimistic there, I realized how right she was and how stupid I was, and we were both validated in the end, so if you weren't paying attention, the Kavanaugh hearings uh started because. Christine Blasey Ford basically said that he, he was uh, about to be confirmed to be a Supreme Court. Democrats obviously couldn't stop him because, you know, they're not really good at playing defense or offense or, you know, doing much um, except disappointing their voters. But um, 
the Democrats, you know, there's not much they can do. So he's about to get confirmed. And then the zero hour story comes out about uh, Christine Blasey Ford. Basically, when they were in high school, if I remember correctly, they were drinking and Brett Kavanaugh tried to rape her, basically. And, you know, you hear this about a pending Supreme Court judge. A lot of people, I would argue most people, especially after the elections, I would say most people would hear that and say, nah, we got to pass on this nigga, man. He got a rape charge on him. Like, nah, we, we don't need to put him on the highest court in the land for life. And this nigga got a pending rape charge. There are millions of niggas with no pending rape charges. You can choose any one of them. And at least 10% of them will do your bidding. So it's just like, but Trump and the Republicans are like, nah, YOLO. You're going to ride this bitch till the wheels fall off. And that they did. So she came out and then another accuser came out. Then another accuser came out. And then another and then another. And so I think it got up to like five in total at the end of the day. And if I remember correctly, two or three of them were bullshit. Um, but the second one also had some credible shit, had some credible back, back up to the story. And the second one, if I remember correctly, uh, she, they, they were at a party and he just basically like put his dick in her face and then like, she like slapped it away and like accidentally touched it. And it was like the super innocent Christian girl who didn't, who never seen no dicks before, let alone touched them. So she was traumatized and, you know, remembers it to this day. So, uh, those were the two. And, um, you know, you hear all this, most people, again, at least if the voters are, if the last midterm is any indicator, most people will say, hey, you know, we got to pass on this dude. Two, two bitches accusing this nigga? Nah, hard pass. Got to send this back to the drawing board. Pick anybody else. But Republicans are not like most people. They say YOLO. We're going to ride this bitch till the wheels fall off. And they keep going. And then they have, uh, just to appease uh, Jeff Flake, basically, uh, no, uh, they no, wait, before Jeff Flake, just to appease uh, the basic concerns of, like, most people, like, hey, can we, like, get some kind of, you know, like, hearing or, you know, put something on record? And Republicans didn't even want to allow that, but they eventually got guilted into it. They had a hearing. They hired some random lady, basically just to interrogate the woman. You know, it's like, we're going to hire this bitch to interrogate you, Dr. Ford. You know, um, she's going to do our bidding because we too pussy. And so they they got they hired her. And um, so they had the trial. And uh, Dr. Ford came off extremely credible. And um, she uh, didn't really fuck up. Like, she talked like a normal person, you know. I mean, like, she, comp- she spoke really composed, you know, just like, it's very matter of fact for her, you know, she, uh, teared up a little bit, but that was, you know, she, uh, you know, handled it like a G. And then, you know, at the halftime, like, I, 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 at, so at one point before the hearing, I was like, there's a chance that Kavanaugh might actually get blocked. And my friend was like, nah, you being too naive. And yeah. So he, it's, it's halftime. And people are speculating, like, Trump's mad. He didn't know she was so credible. I can't believe, like, people are like, holy shit, what are we going to do? We're fucked. Uh, Kavanaugh, he's not even going to come out. Like, how do you follow that? It was incredible, da-da-da-da-da. Everybody's saying that. And then this nigga comes out. 
He's yelling. He's crying. He's fucking hostile. He's confrontational. He's talking about beer a lot. He likes beer. He asks you about beer. He likes beer. Did I tell you that he likes beer? And this dude was a whole other show. And he was adamant that he didn't do none of this shit. And he also, coincidentally, lied a fuck ton. So, (laughs) these are your options. You know, the seemingly credible, you know, uh, doctor. Or the dude who clearly fucking lied more than once. Like, there were two times where I was, like, floored that people were not, like, just going, like... This nigga lying on the spot. And, you know, maybe that's, you know, uh, I, the, I won't say the Democrats handled it poorly because I thought they did a good job. They can only do so much. But at the same time, I feel like that thread should have been pulled a lot sooner because he definitely, like, specifically about the yearbook, he told, like, two blatant fucking lies and everyone just let them slide. Like, those didn't count. Like, I mean, like, if you lying about the small shit, why should we trust you on the big shit? But Republicans don't see it that way. They're like, hey, he's Team Red. He hates the same people we hate. He wants to take away the rights that we want to take away. He's our nigga. And we're going to ride with this nigga till the wheels fall off. And that they did. And long story short, Brett Kavanaugh gets confirmed. And I cannot fucking believe to this day there was a moment where I thought he wouldn't get confirmed. I should have known better. Republicans are going to fucking ram through shit if they can. And Democrats are going to let them, you know, nine times out of ten. So. Yeah. He's on for life. And uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, apparently had uh, two cancer thing i forgot the exact terminology two cancerous nodes or something i don't know but basically two pieces of cancer taken out of her lung and she just got discharged from the hospital so they're saying she's fine but you know everybody everybody dies so she can live to be she can live 20 years from now she can live two minutes from now we don't know you never know until it happens so you know obviously i'm hoping she lives a long life you know Everybody's saying like, oh, I hope she makes to like 2021. I'm like, they got, how about just hope she make it in general? Like, just like, you know, I don't, I don't wish death on nobody. Even Trump. I don't like wish death on nobody. But if Trump died, I would not be sad. <laughs> if Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, I'd be a little, you know, taken aback a little bit, you know. I'm not going to be in my feelings like the white people on Twitter, but, you know, still. Um... So, the midterms. Um, The midterms were definitely a mixed bag. That's the best way to describe it. Um, There was obviously a historic uh, House victory for the Democrats. They won 40 seats. Um, they, uh, They did, I guess, decent in the Senate. Because, like, they could have easily got massacred in the Senate. And they just did kind of bad. So. 
Like, they never had the uh, majority to begin with, so it's not like it was a shift in power. It just, you know, the Republicans are going to be a little more emphatic with uh, Mitch McConnell. So, um, put it to you that way. And um, so, you know, it was a mixed bag, and all of the people I really, really wanted to win lost, other than, you know, the big four. And, um, you know... Uh, Randy Bryce lost, Andrew Gillum lost, Stacey Abrams lost. Um, but to be fair, Stacey Abrams' race was fucking stolen from her. So, um, that was also extremely frustrating. And, uh, also interesting, no one's talking about her in this 2020 shit. Also interesting. Um, but anyway, uh, the, a lot of, uh, you know, more progressive candidates that I wanted to win didn't win. Like, I, I mentioned Allison Hartson. I was, uh, uh, I had met her one time. She ran for Senate against Dianne Feinstein. Um, she didn't win. And uh, Cynthia Nixon against uh, Andrew Cuomo, she didn't win. But, um, you know, there were some good candidates out there. And I'm hoping that even if these people didn't win, I'm hoping that in the grand scheme of things, grand scheme of things they shifted the overton window back to the left a little bit on a national scale and so the next time around maybe they will get the win so we'll see what happens i got high hopes and uh 2019 um the only thing i can say for certain that's going to happen in 2019 is that alexandria ocasio cortez is going to piss off democrats and Republicans, and I am 110% here for it. She is going to be, like, I, I, I have a, a kind of a guilty pleasure of mine is looking at her Twitter followers because I just like seeing her message get boosted to more and more people because I think she's such an important voice in politics right now. So I remember when she was at, like, what? I want to say, like, 300,000. Then it, like, jumped, like, 500,000. Then it was, like, 800,000. She hit a million. She hit a million and a half. And uh, last I checked, she was at 1.6 million. So I'm just... I just want her voice... I just want to put every fucking megaphone up to her voice. Just keep on blasting this message. I As, as much people hear this, the better. So, um... I, I, I'm just excited about the Justice Democrats in general for 2019. Um, I, I hope they find some good candidates to run in, again in the House in 2020 um, and the Senate. What I'm hoping happens is that everyone is still caught up in uh, the presidential race, that we can sneak some uh, Justice Democrats in, and uh, that would make my night. So, um, you know. Uh, the Other than that... Um, I um obviously I'm I'm still pulling for Bernie. Um I acknowledge that it's going to be uphill climb because everyone is going to be fighting him with everything that they have. All of the billionaires and all of the press is at the his uh you know is 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 against him. So I mean like when you got like four like like 90% of the press and like 90 99% of rich people basically all against you. It's going to be a tough tough hill to climb. But um, I got faith. We'll see what happens, man. Um, I'm rooting for him. And uh, but uh, yeah, uh, I I don't uh, know what's gonna happen in 2020. 
2019. I know Trump's going to do some crazy shit next year. I know uh, my stocks are going to keep on dipping next year. Um, so expect for some e- economical uh, backslides in 2019. I can say that with certainty. That's some, some dark shit's going to happen financially next year. Uh, we're still in the government shutdown. We'll see how long that plays out. We'll see when the Democrats cave. Notice I didn't say if. Um, so we'll see. I am uh, interested to see what happens. But um, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of what else I think is going to happen. Uh, oh, I, I can also guarantee that uh, Brett Kavanaugh is going to do some dark shit next year as well. I don't know what. But he he's gonna he's gonna make a dark vote and we're gonna be like oh my god what a fucking piece of shit or whatever he's gonna be all like you know what slavery is fine let's just bring that like he's gonna like vote some crazy shit like that uh, we'll see what happens um, I also predict that Donald Trump will not go to jail in 20, 2019, but possibly in twenty twenty um, I doubt it but you know um, I can almost guarantee it's not gonna happen next year though. Um, well, shit will be awkward, though. <laughs> and, uh, shit, man, I don't know what else, man. I think that's pretty much it. Guess we can move on to some awards. Uh, shit, man, that might be it. Yeah, it was pretty much my predictions for the next two years, man. Um, but I, I, oh, one more prediction. If Bernie or someone who is very left does not get the nomination in 2019, I mean, uh, 2020, and Trump somehow limps to 2020, do not be surprised if Democrats lose again. I'm, I'm saying that now. I hope I'm wrong. Um, but don't be surprised if it happens. Um, yeah, anyway. Let's uh, move on to the award show. So, um, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, I got, uh, 10 categories, um, really nine. One of them is a bonus. Um, so my first category, I kind of like stole some of these and made some of these up. Um, so first category, biggest miss of the year. And this goes to the one TV show that I really, 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 really wanted to watch, but I never got around to it. And this show is going to go to Castle Rock. I have no idea what it's about. Don't know what kind of genre it is. I've done absolutely no research, but I keep seeing it pop up in my Hulu. I've heard, like, what, handful of good things about it. Um, it looks interesting. I just have to actually get around to watching it. So maybe I'll watch it, you know, soon. Maybe I'll watch it this weekend. I don't know. Maybe I'll never watch it. I don't know. But, um, my follow-up, my, uh, my, uh, honorable mentions, uh, goes to, uh, The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, I watched the first, what, like, five, six minutes of it, and I was like, oh, this show looks pretty good. 
I could probably get into this that I never watched anymore. It's hella forgot. So, um, it, yeah, it looked pretty dope, though. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with this. And a lot of people were hyping it up. So I'm like, looks like people like it. And um, my other uh, honorable mention goes to Insecure. Uh, I saw the first episode, first two episodes. For, can't remember if I saw the second one. But I know I saw at least the first episode of the new season. And I kept meaning to go back to it, but I never went back to it. So at some point I will. Um, I keep telling myself it's a short, uh, short show so I can watch it whenever I want. But then I just keep putting it off. So, but, um, yeah, I can tell you the first two seasons were dope and everything I've heard about season three is that it's just as dope. So, um, yeah, but I just got to actually watch it. Um, so my comedy of the year, this is, uh, going to go to Atlanta. And the reason why it's going to Atlanta is because there are some scenes that like I I have like I can't remember like being that fucking amused by ever. And at the same time, there are some really dark moments like where it's just like it wasn't even funny, but it's like holy shit! Like you were just fucked, and you just like laugh out of nervousness. So um, the, and plus they had Cat Williams on the first episode. He had a, he had an alligator. Um, but the barbershop episode was one of my favorite pieces of, uh, TV ever. It, it was also very relatable. Um, I love that episode. If you've never seen the show before, you can just watch the episode alone and you'll probably love that. Love the show in general. So, um, uh, uh, honorable mention goes to the good place. Um, I have, I've been a big fan of that show since the show started. The season has been great. Uh, I think I'm a couple episodes away from finishing it. Um, I need to go back and uh, wrap that one up, but, um, it was dope. I've just, I've loved the show for so long and I appreciate that they always reinvent the wheel every season without like changing the plot or anything. So, um, apparently they did it again at the end of season three. So I need to go look and see what they did. Um, but, um, the show was written really well. Um, I like the cast a lot. The jokes are funny. Um, so yeah, Good Place is dope. But, you know, Atlanta, as for the culture, you know what I mean? You know, Atlanta, it, 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 to be fair, Atlanta has more than just comedy going for it. So it's not as one note as like The Good Place is. Or The Good Place is just a comedy. Where Atlanta is like, you know, like kind of dark comedy, drama, you know, um, kind of artistic at some points. But, um, yeah, Atlanta's a whole other show. It's Yeah, but The Good Place is amazing too. If you're looking for just something straight up funny, a good place is a good place to start. <laughs> See what I did there? I did that on accident. <laughs> and uh, my second honorable mention goes to Barry. And this show, I kind of picked up on a whim. Um, Barry, it, it's, uh, if you've never seen it, it's on HBO, if I remember correctly. And it's only one season. I think it's 10 episodes. Has Henry Winkler in it. And uh, one of the dudes from SNL, I forgot his real name. Um, he's the main character. But uh, the, Barry is also like a dark comedy, kind of like a dramedy a little bit. And I, I appreciate the pace of it. And uh, there's certain characters in the show where I'm just like, you're just so fucking ridiculous, I can't help but laugh at you. Like, you could never exist in reality, but you're like fucking hilarious. And um, so, uh, yeah, but uh, uh, the... 
the Barry Barry is probably one of my favorite surprises of the year. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a great show. And uh, drama of the year is going to go to The Shy. So The Shy, um, this probably be no surprise to anybody who knows what I'm talking about, gets compared to The Wire a lot. And that is not something people throw around lightly. Like if someone says your show is like The Wire, that means your show is a must watch. It's one of the best things on TV and it's fucking incredibly well written. And The Shy is all of those things. So I just heard black people talking about it, uh, like on like Twitter and shit, like hella months ago, never looked into it at all. And then one day I was like, you know what? I'm gonna check it out. What are even the, what are, where are they even talking about? And you know, I'm like, oh, this show looks pretty decent. And I watched the first scene. I was like, oh yeah, I'm hella gonna like this. And, um, so yeah, the, the shy is about, you know, several people. So it's not just one story has like that overarching like theme of just being in Chicago. Um, so, uh, if, if a funny story, when I first showed my mom that show, she said the chi, and I was like, really the chi, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, uh, the shy, um, yeah, good show. Um, but, uh, my honorable mention goes to claws. Um, I have been a big fan of season two, specifically the uh, the villain of season two. She's one of my favorite villains of like any show. She's also just really ridiculous. Um, I won't ruin anything else, but uh, yeah, I like the villain a lot. And um, this season, uh, it ended on a like, oh, oh shit moment where I have to watch the next season. And the whole show, I... It's a, I, I appreciate the plots and it mixes in some comedy moments into it, but it's overall a drama and they just keep getting themselves in the fucked situation. So I, I enjoy it. You know, if, if you like girl power and dramas and all that shit, you know, Claws is a good show. And also runner up, uh, same thing. If you like uh, girl power, dramas, comedies, all of that intertwined, Glow. So Glow is kind of hard to label. Like a, a bunch of these shows are like Atlanta and Barry and uh, Glow, but uh, Glow I put in the drama category because like while I consider Glow to be funny, I appreciate the narrative of Glow a lot more. Like it tells a very grounded story about wrestling for women in the 80s and it's this I learned a lot of shit about wrestling and uh, it has uh, one of my favorite actresses, Allison Brie in it. So I was like, I'm gonna check this out. Um, so, uh, uh, glow, it's definitely, uh, not too serious. You know, it's about wrestling, but it's not like ridiculous wrestling. Like it's like about the wrestlers. It's a better way to put it. So it's about the wrestlers behind wrestling. So it's like, instead of seeing like the rock and stone cold, Steve Austin, you see Dwayne Johnson in practice, you know? And he's like, oh, we, uh, you know, what are we going to do this week? You know, that kind of shit. What is he doing in his personal life? Oh, are you fucking who now? You know, that kind of shit. So, um, you know, the glow is hella dope. I appreciate the narrative a lot. And it's also one of my new favorite shows. It's only in season two. Um, but uh, cartoon of the year. This is going to go to BoJack Horseman. And BoJack Horseman, like... The, this one wasn't even a, a tough call for me 
Um, especially because, like, you know, to be fair, there was no Rick and Morty this year, so the, t- the competition wasn't that stiff. <laughs> so uh, BoJack Horseman easily, easily crushed it with Cartoon of the Year. It had some really, really dark moments, but also had some amazing, hilarious high moments. And it's in season five, so they really got know what they're doing at this point. And this season, I think, was one of their best seasons. Um, there's one episode where he delivers a eulogy, and it is also it's one of my favorite pieces of like storytelling in general. Honestly, it, it was just so well done. Actually, I just remembered I never told my friend about that show. I need to go tell him about it. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, that episode alone makes this cartoon of the year. And the whole season is great. But I, yeah, that, that eulogy episode is fucking phenomenal. That stuck with me to my core. And the ending is fucking hilarious. Um, so yeah, it, it lapped the competition. Let's be real. But, uh, honorable mention, the, uh, the distant second place is South Park. Uh, I feel like this season, like, you know, like the show has been going on for 20 plus years. So they're definitely, uh, have some stale moments. You know, some seasons are definitely better than others, but I feel like this season specifically was one of their better of the new seasons. Cause you know, a lot of their seasons are like, they just have hit or miss episodes, but I feel like this season had uh, consistent quality from start to finish. Um, you know, uh, and plus they were talking about some really heavy hitting topics like the Catholic priest and, uh, guns, guns in schools and vaping and all, and, 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 uh, climate change and, uh, all like, this was a great season. Some really amazing episodes. Like I, I still just love the fact that they really just made a two poly, two parter, basically apologizing to Al Gore. So fucking awesome um yeah I, i'm a big fan of this season and uh f is for family also gets another honorable mention and uh the reason uh i i like f is for family i guess for the same reason i like bojack horseman or no i take that back uh i like f is for family for the same reason that i like king of the hill but since f is for family is on netflix they don't have to be pc and they can be like a real fucking family. So, uh, F is for family is literally just like a cartoon about, uh, like a, what, like lower middle-class white family in the seventies. And they, it, the show was basically, in my personal opinion, a giant PSA to never have kids. And, um, for that it's invaluable alone, but it's funny as hell and it also has some uh some really fucked up moments and like uh near the end of this season 3 they had a really really good p- plot twist that I was like yo and the show went from hilarious to really fucking dark like on the drop of a hat <laughs> and um so uh just for like what like one one and a half episodes so uh yeah episode for family great new show it's only in season 3 um but uh yeah uh, horror show of the year goes to American Horror Story. And um, I just watched season... Did I watch season six? I don't remember. Um, I know I just watched season seven. I don't remember what season six was. Oh, wait, that was uh, 
Roanoke. But uh, season seven, uh, the the Trump season, the election season, was fucking. It was so bad. It was funny. And so comparing that to the newest season was like night and day. So uh, I I was a big fan of this season. Pretty much every episode was fucking fantastic. And um, the season was great from start to finish. And uh, it, it, I'm not sure if it's the last American Horror Story season. But if it was, at least they ended on a high note. So um, yeah, it was great. I loved it. And uh, honorable mention goes to The Haunting of Hill House because I'm pretty sure if I had finished the season, it either would have won or it would have been a close second. And um, also my other shout out uh, for uh, honorable mention goes to Ash vs. the Evil Dead. But that's kind of cheating because I've only seen the first season and I'm just going on a hunch that I would have liked season three because I haven't seen an episode I didn't like. So, um, yeah. For a sci-fi show of the year, I'm going to be, I guess, basic, but I don't care. Let's go on to Doctor Who. And, you know, I mean, it's, you know, so it's like, you know, like giving LeBron James um, MVP. It's like technically you could do that every year, but that's kind of cheating. But uh, I still feel like Doctor Who had a lot more to prove this year. Their first woman doctor in the entire, what, 30 plus year series. Uh, so, you know, it was a big moment and I felt like they delivered, um, they had new creatures for every episode. I think I am still like two episodes away from finishing the season, but, um, from all the ones I saw, I liked them a lot. Uh, the Rosa Parks episode I liked, um, there was one other episode I was really in my feelings about, um, I'm trying to remember and I can't remember, but, um, I think it was the, uh, what is it? Uh, what is it? Shadows of the Punjab? Was that it? I can't remember. Um, it, it, there. Anyway, long story short, I like this season of Doctor Who, and um, I, I uh, the last season with uh, Peter Capaldi was okay, you know, but uh, I I definitely prefer Jodie Whittaker over him. Um, I like her style. I hope she sticks around. Um, I also like her more than Matt Smith. So if I had to rank them, it would be uh, David Tennant and then, uh, what is it, Christopher Eccleston, I think that's his name. And then it would be Jodie Whit- uh, Whittaker and then Peter Capaldi and then Matt Smith. Um, so, you know, um, the shout outs goes to uh, the 100. Um, I was... Uh, I got distracted. I didn't finish the season, but it wasn't entirely my fault because I'm supposed to be watching it with my girlfriend, but we just keep, we both keep putting it off. We just keep watching other shit. So, um, you know, I'm going to get to it, you know, eventually. Um, but, uh, all the parts I saw were dope. Uh, I left off on episode four, if I remember correctly. So I still got a ways to go for the last season. Well, not the last season, but the most current season. And uh, also honorable mention goes to Altered Carbon. Uh, same thing. I didn't finish the season, but I like what I saw. I appreciated that it was a new sci-fi show from the ground up. Had an interesting uh, premise. Um, there was a lot of nudity, so you know that's always a selling point when you're basic like me. So um, you know it, it, was, it was a really interesting show, even without the nudity. Um, but uh, 
yeah, uh, Altered Carbon. If you've never seen it, check it out. Don't watch it with kids, though. Um, also, next award goes to my favorite new show. So, this is going to go... I actually had to switch up the awards once I remembered about this show. And it's going to go to On My Block. So, this show, I was just all in from the get-go. Like, I think I watched, like, the first, like, five minutes and I was like, this is going to be one of my new favorite shows, basically. And it, it's this so un- unapologetically brown. And I love it. It's it's hood. It's funny. It's dark. You know, they, they live in their best lives and I'm, I'm all for it. I loved every minute of it. And the season ended on a dark note, so I'm really ready for season two. And apparently... Uh, on my block is one of the most binge shows on Netflix, which really makes me happy. So hopefully we get a seasons two, three, four, five, six. I don't know how many, but we need a lot of them. I love this show and Netflix canceling shit left and right. So I'm going to make sure this is one of those shows where I actually like watch all of them in a quick succession. So they don't fuck up the, uh, you know, and just say, Hey, we getting rid of this. We're going to daredevil this show. Like, nah, you gonna keep this one. So on my block, fucking loved it. So if you're a brown person, man, you got to watch that show. It's just so good. Um, uh, honorable mention goes to The Shy. Um, you know, I already spoke about that earlier, The Shy. And also honorable mention goes to Barry. Now, again, talked about both those shows. But, um, you know, they're both uh, in season one this year. And uh, Barry was more of a surprise because, like, the season was already over by the time I discovered it. And I think the same happened with the shy as well. But uh, for, for some reason, I felt like it was more closer to when the season ended than I got into Barry. So I didn't feel as behind. But um, yeah, both shows are really dope. And uh, show of the year is going to go to For the Culture, Atlanta. And what can I say about Atlanta? I mean, I'm a fan of Donald Glover. Um, the dude uh, who plays Paperboy, I forgot his real name. I want to say Brian McHenry. I think that's his name. I could be wrong. But uh, he's like blossoming into his own as an actor. He's, he was in Widows. You know, he's doing his thing. Um, you know, I like to see his growth. Uh, I, I always liked this character in Atlanta. I really hope he doesn't become too big for the show because it's very possible. He's very talented. And uh, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, the, the star, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't want to bury the lead on you, but uh, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, one of my favorite characters in the show. Um, I forgot his name and I forgot his character's name. Uh, I'm blanking on it. Um, but anyway... Uh, the, the cast of Atlanta is great. The stories are great. The ending fucking scarred me. It was so goddamn dark. I was like, oh my God, that ending is so fucking dark. No one died or anything yet. It was just so fucking dark. Just like, holy shit. The things people do to each other. Um, but, uh, yeah, Atlanta has just been a great fucking show. Uh, season one was dope, but season two, they were, oof. They had some heavy hitters. Uh, that, uh, what was that, uh, Percy Jenkins or something? 
can't remember that name, where, like, fucking, like, Donald Glover looked like a fucking white doll. It was so weird and creepy. I didn't even know it was Donald Glover until after the episode. I was like, who is this fake white man? And I'm like, that was him? The whole time? Seriously? Um, yeah, that, that was some horror shit right there. That whole episode felt like horror. Um, but yeah, Atlanta is so well done. It's well shot, it's well written, it's well produced. Uh, everything about it is great. It's just my show of the year. Honorable mention, very close second. This was a, t- a tough one, honestly. And that's BoJack Horseman. And as I mentioned earlier, I, I love this, this season so fucking much. And again, that eulogy episode is, has stuck with me for months since then. Like, I still remember it like it was yesterday. In fact, I kind of want to rewatch that one episode again. It was just so good. But um, also, honorable mention goes to Barry. Uh, again, that show snuck up on me. I was surprised at how much I liked it. Again, it was another well-made show. Um, and I appreciate that it's, you know, 30-minute comedy on HBO. So, you know, get in, get out. Um, yeah, great show. Um, so a bonus category kind of buried the lead on you a little bit but uh movie of the year it's gonna go to sorry to bother you um i i can't i i was thinking about like as i was like you know putting together this list i knew it was my movie of the year and but like if you ask me to pinpoint why it's my movie of the year i just can't put my finger on it it's just like it just all comes together so perfectly it's it's like Okay, this is this is my best explanation. In my opinion, sorry to bother you is if you threw a fistful of change at a wall and all of the coins landed on their side. What is the percentage that ever happens? Zero damn near. But this movie fucking did it. So that that's how I feel about this movie. And um Lakeith Stanfield, the star of the movie, did a great job. They got the dude from uh, Power. They got Danny Glover. They got uh, the dude from uh, Walking Dead. They got Tessa Thompson. It was in Oakland. And uh, speaking of Oakland, my uh, honorable mention goes to Blind Spotting. And when I tell you that this was a hard decision to make, because these two movies were like, like, honestly, it's really like first place and then like 1.1 place. Like, I can't even, like, I, I really can't even, like, explain. I, it, it's so hard for me to pick a one that's better. But I just got to give the edge to Sorry to Bother You, and I can't even explain why. I feel so bad. But Blind Spotting is one of the best movies I've ever seen, ever. And uh, I want to rewatch it really badly. Uh, but, like, it was really stressful. Like, I just remember, like, like being stressed out the entire movie. And now that I've seen the movie before, I got, now that I know everything that's going to happen, I don't think it's going to stress me out that much. Um, but, uh, yeah, Blind Spotting was fucking dope. Such a great movie. And uh, other honorable mention that I just forgot existed until just now, Quiet Place. Uh, that's one of my new favorite horror movies ever. Um, it was really well done. It was a very fun experience to watch in theaters. Everyone is just quiet the entire movie. Um, Great movie. Great film. Really well written. written, Really well written. Um, So, yeah. 
great fucking film. So I guess we will wrap up the first half of the award show to get to the second half. Video game awards, bitches. Yeah, I got seven categories. Um, one of them is kind of like a cop-out category, but oh well. Um, so let's get things kicked off right. My indie game of the year. So this one is going to go to the one that I feel like I personally got more fulfillment out of. And that is Celeste. Celeste is my game of the year. One for a cheap reason and one for a real reason. But like, so, you know, I had an easy platinum. I'm all about that. So that's unfair advantage in, in, in favor of Celeste. I will acknowledge that. Get that out of the way. So, um, I love this game much like everyone else. Um, I appreciate the fact that it doesn't, make you deal with its bullshit like all of its bullshit is optional which i appreciate the game itself is pretty hard if you want it to be and uh it's as easy or as hard as you want it to be it'll play it'll uh respond to how you want to want to play the game it also has a great story has to deal with about depression and shit and it's uh really fucking good and I, i was uh I won't say I was surprised because I heard good things, but I enjoyed my uh, experience with the game. And I play. I only played it for a couple of hours. Uh, I finished the main story like on normal or whatever, organically. I didn't like cheat or anything. But once I finished the main story, all uh, bets were off. I busted out all the cheats. Uh, I got my platinum and I felt great, you know. So it did, as a video game, it did the things it was supposed to do. It played well, it ran well, it told a good story, it gave me lots of options, and it kept me entertained, and it made me feel like I got my money's worth. So, it did all of those things spectacularly, and uh, so Celeste is going to win my Indie of the Year. So, um, I have one honorable mention that I just can't get the stick out of my ass about, and so I'm going to give an honorable mention to Hollow Knight. Because if I were really able to pick Game of the Year, it would be Hollow Knight. I mean, not Game of the Year, uh, Indie Game of the Year. It would be Hollow Knight. But there's a trick. Technically, this game came out on PC last year. I didn't get to play it until this year when it came to Switch. It also came to, like, PS4 and Xbox One. But, like, I played it this year. It came out this year. So I felt like it should have been mentioned. But I can't give it a title just because it came out last year. Celeste actually came out this year on all on on all platforms. So, but Hollow Knight, I played the fuck out of. I enjoyed the fuck out of. It was awesome. It was so goddamn good. And I was wondering why it didn't get mentioned at the Game Awards. And then I'm like, oh, 2017. So, yeah, Hollow Knight, great fucking game. Uh, other honorable mention. Uh, pretty much most people would agree. 
that indie game of the year is only one of two games, Celeste or Dead Cells. Dead Cells is fucking sick. And I ha- I haven't put enough time into it as I should have, but I can always go back at the drop of a hat and just start fucking around in that game because it's easy to pick up and play. It's basically like a 2D Binding of Isaac, but if like everyone looked like Vector Man. Um, so uh, it, uh, Dead Cells is really dope. One of those great games just to have, just in case you ever wanted to just fuck around in. So it's like just like Binding of Isaac. It's just, just great to have access to when you get that craving. So um, yeah, Dead Cells is dope. I think I beat the second boss. Can't remember if I beat it or if I just got to it, but I know I beat the first one a couple times. Um, but uh, yeah, Dead Cells is dope. Uh, Hollow Knight is dope. Celeste is dope. If you haven't played any of those games, you should try them out. Uh, you know, give indie developers a little bit of coin, help them out. You know, and uh, next category goes to RPG of the year. So um, this category is tricky because a lot of games have a lot of like RPG elements now. Like I mean, like like you can pretty much name a game. Technically, it's an RPG ninety percent of the time. Like I get like if you want to be technical, Smash Bros is an RPG. God of War is an RPG. Fortnite I would, isn't kind of like an RPG. Wait, uh, actually, I can't. Don't let me speak on Fortnite. I'm not sure. I don't play enough of Fortnite. Assassin's Creed RPG. You know, but I'm picking this category of what I consider to be pure RPGs. So, my I guess pure RPG of the year is going to Octopath Traveler, and Octopath Traveler. I had high hopes on once I played the demo because it was made by the people who made Bravely Default and I really liked their uh, fight system. And uh, so I was very, very uh, happily surprised to see that they made the fight system even better and it just makes the game a pleasure to play. Like uh, my problem with 90% of JRPGs of yesteryear, like, you know, most of the Final Fantasies and you know, Dragon Quest and all of those games, is that, like, when you're just level grinding, shit gets really boring, and you're just, like, mashing X 24-7, but it's, like, when you're playing Octopath Traveler, every fight has strategy to it, so there's no, like, wasted fights, and so there are a handful where you can just, like, power through if you get to a certain level and you're just, like, grinding, but, like, nine times out of ten, if you're really trying to do some shit, you gotta plan a little bit. So um, I appreciate that. I also like the characters in the game. I like how they balance everyone having different abilities and shit. And you can like mix and match a little bit. Um, I was a big fan of the game. Um, I hope they make a sequel. I put like, uh, I want to say like 80 hours into Octopath Traveler. I really enjoyed it. I finished it. A lot of JRPGs I don't finish, but I was like, nah, I'm going to keep going on this one. I loved it. Loved every minute of it. Um, I actually thought it ended too quickly, which I'd never say about JRPGs. I thought for sure I had more game left. I was like, what? It's over? But, oh man, oh, so good. I loved it so much. Um, and my, uh, honorable mention for pure RPG of the year goes to, uh, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu slash Eevee. So, um, this game caught me off guard because, like, I knew I wanted it from early, from early on. 
when they said it wasn't a core game and it wasn't any random battles, and I was like, everybody was like, oh, that sucks. And I was like, nah, it's still Pokemon. I want to see where this goes. And it was great. It was, it was really good. And now I'm at the point where, like, I hope that they get rid of random battles permanently. You know, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, random battles permanently. So, like, instead of, like, you know, just walking to Pokemon and catching them, you walk up to them and battle them. So I'm hoping they, they make that permanent. Because that is by far one of my favorite things about Let's Go Pikachu. Is that, like, if I'm just trying to go somewhere, I'm just trying to do something, there's nothing in my way to stop me from doing that. And um, I also feel like, even though I didn't get any shinies, I feel like getting shinies is actually realistic in Let's Go uh, uh, Pikachu and Eevee. So I'm hoping they make that permanent as well. Um, plus, I got all of the Pokemon, which I've never done in any of the Pokemon games. So, um, yeah, honorable mention, let's go, Pikachu. I loved it. So dope. Very surprising. I'm glad it didn't suck. You know, fun time. Adventure game of the year. Um, this, I guess, this is also kind of a vague category. Like, like most games with a story are technically adventures. Like, I guess Celeste is technically an adventure game, you know? Smash Bros. technically an adventure game. Um, you know, if you really want to split hairs, technically Fortnite is an adventure game. <laughs> That's splitting hairs to the nth degree. But, um, so this is more of like games where I feel like as a player, I really actually went on an adventure. So, um, my winner is going to go to God of War. And, uh, God of War probably won't surprise most people. It's a great game. Um, and pretty much everything about the game was well done. Uh, the combat was great. Graphics were great. Story was phenomenal. Characters were great. Acting was great. Visuals were great. Uh, the perform uh, the uh, physical game performance like it ran it ran exceptionally well. Um, so yeah, there's pretty much no downsides about God of War. Um, so yeah, it's my adventure game of the year and, uh, honorable mention goes to Assassin's Creed Odyssey simply because I didn't expect to ever like an Assassin's Creed game again. And I loved Odyssey so much. Cassandra immediately became one of my favorite characters in a game I played in a while. Um, and it, it was really fun just getting her laid constantly. Um, so, uh. You know, if the next Assassin's Creed is half as good as Odyssey, maybe I'll get over my, like, long-standing hatred of the series. Because it looks like it... Because it doesn't play like it used to anymore. So that's good. The combat's actually fun. So, um... You know, not just basic. Um... But, uh... So we'll, we'll uh... See what happens with the next Assassin's Creed. But, uh, I'm, I was a big fan of Odyssey. And, uh, and that game definitely felt like an adventure because you're like sailing and going all over the world and shit. So, uh, or at least all over Europe or, uh, yeah, Europe, that's fair, I guess. Um, so that game felt like a, like a, I mean, it's in the title. It felt like an odyssey. Um, so shut up. My echo is eavesdropping. Bezos is always cacking on my fucking podcast man anyway um so 
other honorable mention to a lesser degree than Odyssey is going to Red Dead Redemption 2. And the story was great, but like, I, like I, I, maybe I'm in the minority of this, but like, it, it's weird that Red Dead had everything going for it as a video game other than the video game. <laughs> like, there are just parts about the game where I'm like, this could have been fixed. This could have been fixed. This could have been fixed. Where it's not like, none of it is game breaking. It's just like, it shows its age. Where it's like, it's it's still a great game. The story's awesome, da 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 But it's like, there are this, you know, quality of life things that we've come to expect in certain games that just feel like they were missing in Red Dead Redemption. Like, for example, fast travel is a bitch in Red Dead for, like, no reason. Because, like, you can fast travel sometimes, but not other times. To certain places, but not some places. It's just a bitch for no fucking reason. It's arbitrary fucking rules. And that shit got on my nerves to no end. Um, but it's a great game, you know. All of my complaints basically drop it from a 10 to, like, a 9.5. So it's, like, they're valid. They're just, you know, it's not detracting from the overall experience so uh anyway those are my adventures um multiplayer game of the year so this isn't even for me this is just for the culture because personally i can give two shits about this game uh fortnite uh it, it it you'd be insane to not give fortnite game of the year with as much money as they made as many people have played this game like, if you just talk to a parent who has, like, a teenage boy for a son, just ask them what they think of Fortnite, they'll probably, like, pull out a cigarette on the spot. So it's like, people are playing the fuck out of this game. It is everywhere. It is huge. It's impossible to not give it multiplayer game of the year. But that said, I don't really care for it, but, you know, I'd be lying if I gave, it, gave this to any other game. Um... I have played Fortnite on two consoles, too. And I don't even like the game. Imagine if I liked the game. <laughs> like, that should fucking be case closed right fucking there. I played Fortnite on two consoles this year for a game I don't even really care for. Game of the... Not game of the year, but multiplayer game of the year. Easy. So, um... Honorable mention goes to Smash Bros. Um... Smash Bros, I mean, it's like the, the best couch co-op game of all time, damn near. If not, literally. Um, and this one is the best Smash Bros, so. If you have a party, Smash Bros are going to make it better, I'm sure of it. Um, so, you know, multiplayer game. Plus, the, uh, the online is not as bad as people made it sound. But then again, I'm using a wired connection, so. I I'm getting pretty good internet connections most of the time. Um, I lag maybe, me, I'll, I'll be generous and I'll say like 20% of the time. So, you know, nothing, nothing terrible, you know, it's still the internet, you know, I'm not flipping out, flipping out about it like everyone else was, but obviously it could be better, but I'm not really tripping. Well, if people are playing Wi-Fi, there's nothing I can do about it. I know my side of the connection is flawless, but, um, yeah. And other honorable mention goes to Monster Hunter World. Um, this is one of the few games where, like, when it came out, I was, like, all about trying to play with my friends. And, like, hey, what level are you? Hey, where are you at? Okay, hey, let's meet up. You know, um, so this is definitely a multiplayer game of the year. And they keep adding more content to make you want to come back. 
So, um, yeah, uh, plus, I mean, you know, it's pretty much infinite online, too, so, you can all, you can, plus you can play by yourself, but, uh, yeah, Monster Hunter World, definitely, uh, if Fortnite didn't exist, Monster Hunter World would be my, uh, multiplayer game of the year. Um, so, fighting game of the year, kind of like alluded to this in the previous, uh, uh, what is it, section, topic? genre or whatever but uh smash bros easy no question no explanation needed um all the modes are great which is you couldn't really say about any other smash bros game all of the modes serve their purpose and all are interesting in their own ways and i've pretty much played every mode i think pretty sure i have which i like never really did in all the other smash bros because there's like no point um the, the new mode in Smash Bros, Squad Strike, is really, really cool and can easily be a new staple. I'm actually hoping it does. Because I think it would make tournament play a lot more interesting. Rather than just, like, everyone pick the same character. It's like, hey, pick three characters. Like, you might be cool with Bayonetta. Can you wipe out my whole team? No? Oh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I hope that becomes, like, a, a reoccurring theme. <coughs> excuse me my um got choked on spit uh so uh, honorable mention there's i really this is kind of weird uh i'm gonna give it to the fighting game that i would have bought but i didn't soul caliber 6 <laughs> it looked dope i'm a big fan of soul caliber series but i never got around to it i only care about fighting games so much nowadays because i play them more online than i do with people like, like people in person. So like they lose their appeal. Um, Smash Bros. You can pretty much play with anyone. Soul Calibur is a little bit. You know. If, if you're good at Soul Calibur. You can wash people pretty easily. <laughs> Smash Bros. Anything can happen. Um, but yeah Soul Calibur. Maybe I'll get it when it's cheaper. I don't know. Sports game of the year. Personally there's only two options. So you can flip a coin. And um, you can pick either or. But. NBA 2K19. What can I say? It's another year, another 2K. It does what all the other 2Ks do. It tries to get your money. Sometimes it succeeds. Uh, you can, you know, do shit. No. I, I, I mean, it's basketball. You either care or you don't, you know? <laughs> and uh, follow-up. I mean, uh, runner-up, notable, uh, honorable mention, uh, Madden. Same thing. It's football. You know, you can do shit, you know? I will admit, it's a lot, a lot, a lot easier to not spend money playing Madden than it is for 2K. It's, like, really hard not to spend money in 2K. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, what else can you say? But, uh, last category, um, game of the year. So this one... I can already hear people like saying I'm wrong, you crazy, you tripping, but my game of the year hasn't changed since January. I haven't played any game that's made me like, nah, uh, this is actually better. Nope, hasn't happened. Monster Hunter World is my game of the year. Nothing came close, I'm sorry. You can boo me from the rafters, you can throw soda at me, I don't know. But Monster Hunter World is my game of the year. And I can tell you why. 
It's the best Monster Hunter in the series, bar fucking none, period, end of statement. It's the best Monster Hunter, and not only is it the best Monster Hunter, but it's on an actual console with, like, real fucking meat and pow- meat and bones and power behind it. You know, it's the PS4 is not no pussy system, you know what I mean? Got some real strength behind it. And so you get to really, like... Like stretch the game out, you know. Let's let it walk, walk, walk around the block, you know. And so, this is like the also the first Monster Hunter that I have gotten where other people actually gave a fuck about. Like I don't know, like before this game, I don't think I met anyone who even played a Monster Hunter game, let alone even enjoyed them. And Monster Hunter World pretty much put the series on the map. That's how good this game is. And on top of that, you can play it single player, you can play it multiplayer, you can pretty much play it forever. They keep adding more and more free content. There's going to be a paid expansion next year. I think it's called Iceborne or something like Ice something. Iceberg, I don't know. Ice something. Um, but yeah, and, and not only is Monster Hunter so great, it came out in January and I still think about it at least once a month. Like I could easily go back to Monster Hunter right fucking now. Like I didn't miss a beat. That game is so fucking good. There is so few there. Like I could pretty much count on one hand games that I would go back and play like 11 months later. There are pretty much none. Like, I don't even think I can name another one now that I really think about it. Like, there's not many games where I can just go back, like, 11 months after the fact. Like, okay, let's go. Let's play some more. I'm down. Monster Hunter has that appeal. Like, I wouldn't even say that about the other Monster Hunters. Like, I, I even if I, like, you know, six months removed, I'm like, I don't really care. But this Monster Hunter, I'm like, oh, I always want to go back. But I want to keep playing new things. That's the only thing stopping me. So I could easily get stuck in that game forever. Um, it's just so good. And you can play with your friends now because everybody has a PS4 damn near. Um, graphics look great. And you can play in a uh, high frame rate mode so everything looks really sharp. I got the PS4 Pro so uh, and a 4K TV. So high frame rate mode is like my best friend. You can play it in uh, Tomb Raider too. I can, and there's only like a handful of games that even have it. Like, if I remember correctly, I don't think God of War or Red Dead had high frame rate mode. I know Red Dead didn't. Um, I can't remember what God of War. But, uh, yeah, Monster of the World. Oh, my God. Such a great fucking game. Just talking about it makes me want to go back and play it. I'm playing Kingdom Hearts right now. I'm trying to beat them all before the new one comes out. Wish me luck. I'm almost done with the first game. Um, but, uh, yeah... Honorable mentions, God of War. Uh, this is I feel like God of War is like what professionals or whatever, like people in the industry are going to say is game of the year. I mean, they already did the Game Awards, but I feel like most people are going to agree with that. Like, yeah, God of War, yeah, yeah, I get it. Nah, Monster Hunter World, fuck you. Um, but yeah, God of War, great game. Um, yeah, and other honorable mention, Red Dead Redemption 2. And the story carries the... The mechanical shortcomings, so... Like, the overall package of Red Dead is just so well done that all of the flaws are just easily forgiven. Um, 
but yeah, it's as far as like total package and like not letting me down at all. And this like making me happy and making me feel like I really, really, really got my money's worth and everything. Like everything I said, like this fulfillment, enjoyment, connection, like Monster Hunter World had everything. And I, I, as I mentioned, I can easily go back to it whenever I want. That's how good the game is. Like, I'm not going to replay God of War 500 times. I'm not going to replay Red Dead 2 500 times. No. I could play Red Dead Online, but it's like, it's not really popping where it should be yet. Maybe in a year. But not right now. With Monster Hunter World, there was no slacking. You can just play it forever. It's dope. <laughs> But yeah, and that's where we will end the year, I guess. Um, you know, it has been a pleasure. I, I really hope you guys enjoyed my podcast. Um, you know, we will see if I will be back. Maybe I will, uh, you know, dodge the feds, change up my whole shit. We will see. But yeah, um, I hope you guys have a good 2019. Have a good New Year's for this year. All of that shit, you know. Adios, y'all. For the last time we.